You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A Thursday edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group. Breaking down the Warriors' 121-99 win over the Spurs from Wednesday night. Steph Curry had 26 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 assists. James Wiseman scored 20. As the Warriors' offense flowed on defense, they held the Spurs to 37.2% shooting overall and 4 for 33 from three-point range. After the game, Steve Kerr called it their best two-way performance of the season, and I'd have to agree Now, the Spurs are not the Lakers, nor are they the Nuggets, but they're a solid team whom Kerr respects, and winning these games is what playoff teams do, and in this game, it felt like the Warriors better established the identity they may have found in that win over the Lakers. Curry affected everything on offense, not just with his scoring, but with his screening, which I'll get to later. With the gravity off the ball, Andrew Wiggins settled into his role with a tidy 18 points on 7 of 12 shooting. The new-look bench unit with Kelly Oubre and Eric Paschal playing the full-time small ball five played well. And then the defense obviously continues to improve their most dominant performance of that season for that unit. So not only was this the best two-way game for the Warriors, but it was also the most complete game for James Wiseman, who found success in that dunker spot, nailed his space, and completely outplayed LaMarcus Aldridge, who had you know four points on eight shots and three rebounds. That's the kind of game that, from tip-off to close, that if James Wiseman can kind of put more of those together then they really have something. I talked to Bram Hillsman uh, uh, on my podcast yesterday, two-part podcast. If you haven't checked it out, I, I highly recommend you do. Everything that we talked about is still very much relevant, if not more relevant now after this win. Uh, really good podcast. I, I really do suggest you check that out. What we talked about with Wiseman was you need him to string together some more consistent games. And the thing that I've been saying with Wiseman the reason he starts for you is not because he's better right now than Kevon Looney, but because the ceiling for this team is higher when he is starting. And you need him. You can't just develop him coming off the bench. You need to develop him because those, as a starter because those are the key minutes in which he can play with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. So if you want this starting lineup to finally be successful, then you have to do it with Wiseman and, by the way, Kelly Oubre in that starting group who's been playing much better the last couple games. The starting lineup going into this game was, had been being outscored by almost 15 points per 100 possessions. They were plus seven over the Spurs They out, they, they by the time that they left the game. The rotation now, by the way, is starting to, to figure itself out. Uh, you've got, obviously, Steph and Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, James Wiseman. Those are your starters. Midway through the first quarter, Wiseman comes out for Kevon Looney. Kent Bazemore comes in for Kelly Oubre. That group basically rides through the rest of that first quarter. To start the second quarter... Steve Kerr basically puts in that entire five-man second unit, right, with Brad Wanamaker, Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, Kelly Oubre, Eric Paschal at the five. You kind of platoon that unit in at the start of the second quarter, and then slowly by the time the second quarter is over for the last few minutes, you've got your starters back in that game. That's the rotation. It's a simple rotation. It goes 11 deep. It's, It's a big rotation. I don't know... If uh, Jordan Poole will continue to be a part of that, we'll get to that later on as well. But it's a good rotation. It's solid. And if you can settle on something, 
then you can start to begin uh, uh, to build some more chemistry, to find more of an identity. And I thought they did that these last couple of games. The big question is, are the Warriors any good? Right now, they're 8-6. and six. They're fifth in the Western Conference behind the two L.A. teams, Utah and Phoenix. They have a point differential, however, of minus 1.7. Not great. But if you back out those two blowout losses to start the season, in which they lost to the Bucks and the Nets by a combined 65 points, you back those out, and now they're a plus 3.4, which would rank eighth in the NBA. That's a solid playoff team. That's not Milwaukee. It's not the Lakers. It's not the Clippers. But a plus 3.4, that's a solid playoff team. And that differential, by the way, just keeps getting better and better. And they are through now the toughest stretch of their season. They have a couple easy games uh, here coming up. It starts with the Knicks, obviously, tonight at Chase Center, the second night of a back-to-back. Still, the Knicks are, are surprisingly frisky. This is not a guaranteed win, but this is still, even on that second night of a back-to-back, a game in which the Warriors should play well. Utah on Saturday, that's going to be a tough one. The Jazz are rolling. They're really, really good. But then you've got back-to-back games against Minnesota at Chase Center. You play at Phoenix, finally which, again, is a tough, a tough team, but then Detroit. So most of these games, I would say one, two, three, four out of the next six are very winnable, very, very winnable. Whereas Phoenix and Utah, I wouldn't say that those teams are much better than, than Golden State. I think that they would have a shot in both of those games. In Phoenix in the second night of back-to-back is going to be tough. You could almost circle that as a loss. So, again, the Warriors are through their toughest stretch of the season. If you go to the last nine games since Steph's breakout 62-point performance against Portland, they're a plus 6.1 point differential. That's sixth best in the NBA. Now, I've got questions, right? They still give up a lot of three-pointers, though not as much lately. They give up a ton of rebounds, uh, which I'm not as concerned with as a lot of people are, but it's still an issue. Um, I still have questions about who steps up when Steph has an off night, and he's going to have... He's going to have these off nights, right? Who steps up? Who fills that scoring void? I don't know who that is. I don't know that it's Andrew Wiggins. It certainly hasn't been Kelly Oubre. I don't think you could put that much pressure on James Wiseman right now. So I still have questions. But that's okay. Every team has questions. Even the Lakers, not really, but even the Lakers, kind of. There's a lot of teams. The Brooklyn Nets can't stop anybody. Milwaukee, what do they do in the playoffs? Teams have questions. The Warriors used to not have any questions when they had Kevin Durant. They're the best team ever. There was no questions then, but now they're with the rest of the NBA. They have questions. They're not going to look great every single night. But if they can look good to great most nights, take care of business uh, against teams like San Antonio, steal a win against teams like the Lakers here and there, I have no reason to think that this is not a solid playoff team. You look at the standings right now, and the Warriors are trying not to, but I will. The two L.A. teams deserve to be ahead. They probably will for the rest of the year. Utah, Phoenix, those are solid teams. Solid teams. But Portland at 8-6, and six, they're 6 right now. They've just lost C.J. McCollum for an extended period of time. They don't have uh, uh, Yusuf Nurkic. I've got major questions about what they can do long-term. Memphis at 7-6. and six. A lot of those wins against some easy teams and teams that were missing key players. For example, they beat Philadelphia, but without Joel Embiid. They're getting John Morant back, but I'm not sold on them long-term. Denver is 7-7. Seven and seven. They're going to climb back into the standings. Dallas is 7-7. Seven and seven. They're going to climb back up. But the Warriors have built a little bit of a cushion here, and they need to continue to do that through this next stretch of games. 
Uh, coming up, I want to talk more about Steph Curry's overall offensive performance. But first, let's talk about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all the parts you need for your car, especially now, while you may not be able to visit a traditional store. So do it easily online at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers for online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low without the markup that you find at chain stores. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your pods. Uh, It's time for our stat of the game. Steph Curry, who went into yesterday's game averaging 0.6 screen assists per game, had three against the Spurs. Yes, I'm talking about screen assists. Shout out to the boss, David Locke, who has made this uh, uh, stat in vogue or or ugly, depending on who you, who you talk to. He loves to talk about screen assists when it comes to Rudy Gobert, right? Rudy Gobert leads the league in screen assists all the time, etc. That's his argument that Rudy Gobert is a, uh, a dangerous offensive player, that he's a good offensive player, an effective offensive player. You don't have to dig into such stats to prove Steph Curry's worth on offense, obviously. You can look at the 26 points. You can look at the three-point shooting. All that stuff. Watch the highlights. The dribble moves. I mean, that that behind-the-back dribble against Patty Mills, just shaking him out of his shoes and then launching that three-pointer, just stuff like that is insane. He had the show-and-go, I think, to get past uh, Deontay Murray, Deontay Murray in that first quarter. I mean, just stuff like that obviously screams and makes the Sports Center highlights and all those things. But the early on, it felt like the Warriors had gotten Steph much more involved in the on-ball screen game. Steph is always doing the off-ball screens. He's always threatening that way. It's a way to, to use and implement the gravity that he has. But the on-ball screening, not a thing we always see with Steph. And, and look, there's some wear and tear that comes with that, obviously. But I... I think he showed a lot of patience, and I think the Warriors maybe made it a point of emphasis, because throughout this year, we've been trying to figure out, okay, how can you screen for Curry? How do these players, how do Andrew Wiggins set that back screen for Steph to get him free? All these things. We focus so much on other players setting screens for Steph, not so much on Steph setting other screens, setting screens for other players. And the reason that is so dangerous, and by the way, he, he did it so well, especially in that first half, man. I mean, he, he had a screen that just, that, that sprung Draymond Green open for a wide open drive. He set Kelly Oubre free for a dunk with a back screen. Got uh, James Wiseman a long jumper to open the game on a, back, on a, on a pin down. I mean, he's, got, he's doing it all. Later in the game, he screened two different guys to get a teammate an open three-pointer. So he only had three screen assists, but he set many more than that. I don't, have, I don't have access to synergy or anything like that, but I would imagine they keep track of some of these ball screens, just how many he is setting. I would imagine it was 
a lot more than he usually than he usually sets in a given game. Now, why is this so dangerous? Well, obviously you want teammates to screen for Steph so that Steph can get open three-pointers. That's And that was still a part of the game plan, obviously. But when you have Steph then setting screens for his teammates, it's sort of like the run setting up the play-action pass. And, and it completely confuses other teams. The threat of Steph popping off of those screens and getting an open three-pointer he doesn't even have the ball, and he's getting double-teamed in those screens. Again, you look to that screen that he set for Draymond Green. If you could get Draymond Green an easy basket, boom. That's a win every time because you basically have to give him an easy basket. You have to spoon-feed Draymond Green these baskets or else he's just going to try to move the ball and pass. So he sets that screen for Draymond Green, high screen. What happens? Keldon Johnson freaks out, goes over the screen. He just gets confused. Goes over the screen on Draymond Green. You never go over the screen on Draymond Green. You never go over the screen. It doesn't matter who's setting it, but he freaks out. He sees Steph Curry setting a screen. He just instinctively goes over it. Steph Curry in a screen and roll game. Go over. So he goes over the screen. Draymond Green now has a full head of steam, can get down. What, and then what does DeJounte Murray do? Nothing. Nothing. Frozen on Steph. Steph, who is setting a ball screen, essentially gets double teamed as the person without the ball. Draymond Green, wide open lane to the basket. LaMarcus Aldridge is late to come over because James Wiseman is chilling in that dunker spot, which is the first time where I really noticed where James Wiseman really nailed the spacing. And he said this after the game, that it was his best game spacing-wise. When you hear spacing, it doesn't always mean just standing outside the three-point arc. It doesn't mean just standing in the corner. Spacing meaning being in the right place to affect positively what your teammates can do. Him in that dunker spot freaked out. LaMarcus Aldridge. Now, if he were not in that dunker spot and say in the, in the corner or be on the three-point line, LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't care. Wiseman's got a nice three-point touch. He doesn't care. But he's in that dunker spot. He is glued to him. He can't stay away from him. He's, and I would say James Wiseman's probably eight feet away from the basket, seven, eight feet away from the basket. Just, just close enough where LaMarcus Aldridge can't leave him because Wiseman is so athletic, so springy, that if all, of, if all Draymond Green does is throw up that lob, Wiseman's coming over, slamming that down, no problem over LaMarcus Aldridge. So Aldridge can't come over. Draymond Green gets an easy layup. Done. That is the evolution of this off. That is that next level of the offense that the Warriors and you and I have been talking about this entire time. It's not just 1-5 pick and roll. Not just that. No. It's not just high screen and roll game. It's that third wrinkle. What made, what made Seinfeld the greatest uh, show in in? TV history, the greatest comedy, is that that third storyline. You need that little third thing. That's what this is for the Warriors' offense. James Wiseman hanging out in that dunker spot. Steph Curry setting screens instead of having screens always set for him. It's going to free up so many things. It's going to confuse defenses. The Spurs are a disciplined team. They might not be the most talented team, but, man, you know they're well coached. doesn't matter. Steph setting a screen just confused them for the entire first half, most of the game. They couldn't figure it out. That's going to work against a lot of teams. I think we're going to continue to see a lot more of that going forward. Uh, I wanted to get to our Twitter question of the game. It has to do with Jordan Poole. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag. It is the NFL's conference championship weekend. You've got the Chiefs against the Bills. You've got the Packers, Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady's Buccaneers. Uh, 
there is only one there is only one place that has you covered, one place that I trust to bet on these games. It's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your fifty percent welcome bonus. That's like getting free money before you even put a bet. You get free money to go win more money with. You can't beat that. Again, like I said, NFL Conference Championship. It is so. This is such a fun week. It's not as fun as the Super Bowl to bet on, but it's a lot of fun to bet on the lines, the over-unders. Put a money line down if you think that Buffalo is going to beat Kansas City. They're three-point dogs right now. If you think they're going to win, bet the money line. You're going to win a ton of money that way if they if they end up winning. Or, you know, you don't have to you don't have to get rich today this weekend. Put a little 5-10 now. You know, I'm a Dolphins fan, they're not in it. Maybe you're a Niners fan, a Raiders fan, they're not in it. If you want to get you want to get invested, interested, Put five, ten bucks down on the game, twenty bucks down on the game. It's not, you know, no big deal, not a ton of scratch, but just give yourself a taste, give yourself something to root for. That's what this is all about, right? Uh, the NBA season is in full swing. You listen to podcasts like this, you probably know more than the average person about the Warriors and about the NBA. Put your money where your mouth is. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get podcasts. Let's get to our Twitter question of the game. Todd asks, Michael Mulder is better than Jordan Poole. Why is this happening Todd, obviously referencing the fact that Michael Mulder is not really playing in these last couple of games. He has been replaced by Jordan Poole in that second group. So it used to be before you made the Kelly Oubre for Andrew Wiggins swap in that second, in that, in that bench unit. That bench unit has been so effective for the Warriors so far this season. Before making that swap, that unit was basically Brad Wanamaker, Damian Lee, Michael Mulder, Andrew Wiggins, Eric Paschal. Now, when you take Andrew Wiggins out and you replace him with Kelly Oubre, what are you losing there? You're losing ball handling. You're losing ball handling. Kelly Oubre is not a ball handler in any way. Andrew Wiggins can run pick and roll. He can run you in offense in that, uh, uh, in that, on the bench unit. Oubre is not doing that. Michael Mulder is not a, really a ball handler. He's more of a fly off of screens, shoot threes, jump, uh, catch and shoot kind of guy. Jordan Poole is a ball handler. I think he's a talented one. He's got good feel for it. So that's why you do that. You're losing a ball handler. You still have a productive scorer in Kelly Oubre, a guy who can get you points, get you buckets. You still have Eric Paschal playing that small ball five. You still have Damian Lee spacing the floor. When you have, Brad, you have Brad Wanamaker in there really running the offense, so I think you just want a little bit more ball handling with Jordan Poole than what Michael Mulder would provide you. I think that's fair. Uh, and look... This is something that Steve Kerr is going to have to do throughout the year to get to keep these guys interested, to keep these guys invested. You're going to have to swap out these end of bench guys here and there. Michael Mulder will get back into the rotation. Jordan Poole will drop out of the rotation. Now against San Antonio, Jordan Poole played just nine minutes. You could throw more of those minutes at like a Kent Bazemore or something. You don't have to necessarily go 11 deep. You could go 10 deep. You could, if you really wanted to, and have Bazemore in that second unit. He can he can kind of play the first half of the, the, the I'm sorry, the second half of the first quarter, and then the first half of the second quarter, and then you start bringing in your starters again. But Kerr wants to get as many people involved, and, and you know through the early parts of the season, 
think that's admirable. I think that's the right way to go. You want to keep morale up in that locker room. You want to keep guys involved, keep guys interested, keep guys invested. Jordan Poole has done a lot of work. They're they're happy. They're encouraged with the work that he's put in. I I think Michael Mulder with his three-point shooting will have a spot in this rotation at another point this season. I think going forward, when really you kind of look towards next year, if you want to keep doing a bench unit like this, if this is sort of going to be what the identity of this Warriors team is going forward, and I don't know that it will, but if you want it to be, maybe you try to find somebody who kind of combines what it is that Jordan Poole and and, and Kent Bay, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Michael Mulder bring to the table. Somebody who could space the floor, but also handle a little bit. With Jordan Poole, you're not really getting a floor spacer, but getting a ball handler. With Michael Mulder, you're not really getting a ball handler, but you're certainly getting a floor spacer. But right now, I think that's the logic behind it, Todd. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Email them over to wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, and I'll see you here tomorrow for our recap of tonight's game against the Knicks.